0: thanks for joining us. You are listening to the Legal Technology Review podcast. I am your host, as always, Brian Folk, the author of The Cyber Advocate and Civil Litigator. If you're enjoying what you're hearing on the Legal Technology Review podcast, please be sure to share the podcast on social media, Facebook, LinkedIn. If you really, really have to use something like WhatsApp or Snapchat or anything like that, go for it. Also, hey, let anyone else you know, if there's something that we've got on the show that you think can benefit your colleagues, your friends, whatever, that's how People hear about our show. Today, we are talking about one of those thorny issues. Uh, there is no single issue, I think, that better demonstrates the characteristic slow adoption of technology in the legal profession than the concept of the paperless office. The paperless office, the idea has been around for 30 plus years. Most other industries have shifted this way long ago, but you can walk around the any bar association meeting all over the country and you will find plenty of people who still have nothing but paper files. Why that is, it's a difficult question, but one of the big things I want to you know talk about is, if you're interested in doing it, there are success stories out there about converting into a digital system. And one of those that I'm very familiar with is my good friend from law school, Justin Nifong. Justin, how you doing?
1: Good, good, Brian. How are you?
0: I'm doing all right. Uh, Justin is the founder of N.K. Patent Law in Raleigh, North Carolina. And uh, just to get this out of the way, in case any of you think the name sounds familiar, different guy, not related. <laughs> all right. So, uh, Justin, how long ago was it that you started N.K. Patent Law?
1: We started in July 2013, so we're going on about two and a half years now. When
0: you talk about a paperless office, so many people say, is it a paperless office or is it really just a less paper office? What does it mean to you?
1: Yeah, it, it means 90% less paper is what that means. There's certainly still printers in our office. We still purchase reams of paper. We purchase about two a month. <laughs> so, yes, we do print things out. There are some matters that have to be printed, executed, scanned in, and whatnot. but the big drivers for paper consumption are letters to clients, correspondence with clients, and information that goes into your files, and we have been able to either digitize written uh, or printed out papers or go into our software and digitize and there's never any printing whatsoever. And we put that information into our file folders, and whatnot. So, yeah, are we truly in the literal sense say a paperless office? No, we're not. We still we still buy paper occasionally. But um, it's, it's not
0: a tremendous amount. And, and while I'm still going to continue to use the term paperless just because it's what's been adopted, I, I think that what you pointed out is probably the best way to look at it is that paperless doesn't mean you're not using paper. What it means is that the primary focus, or at least what it means to me, is that the primary focus of your work is digital. And that is a shift. You know, it, it always used to be that you, yeah, your primary system was what you had on paper and your backup tapes or your server and your backup server was really there just in case you needed to go back and get a template of a word document that you use to create a pleading but everything that was active your case you know your case files your correspondence files your pleadings that was all paper but it seems to me like the biggest shift when you say paperless really what it means is i'm now using the digital systems for my day too many people i know actually are, are essentially operating under the idea that what going digital means is that every single thing that you use has one copy in digital, one copy in paper at least, and that I don't think is ever going to be a functioning system.
1: I actually don't see the value in that paper and paper consumption and, and the administrative costs associated with that. It's a huge cost driver. You're not saving money doing it that way, and we've been able to cut that cost out almost entirely. Our files, are digital there are some there is some correspondence that is still done by paper and catalogued and categorized appropriately, but our backup system is another digital system. We don't have paper backup, so to speak, either. We are truly a a digital law firm.
0: Talk to me about your office now because I think a lot of people there's a conceptual problem that a lot of people have to kind of work their brain around what does a digital office look like? A, a
1: digital office is One where all of our files are always accessible at our fingertips, just like they are in a paper office, however, they're on our computer. So when you go into a traditional law firm, there's a big room full of files. There's probably one central computer or one central printer where print jobs are going to, and firms are actually tracking that expense. So they're entering a docket number, a client number, et cetera, et cetera. You, know, you hit a print button, and you have to run down the hall to pick up um, your copies. That's certainly the way that it was done for me when I was entering the profession. Here, yeah, there's a printer. There's a small Dell you know, $250 printer in my office. I replace the toner in it about once a year. Um, and anytime I want to access my files, they are right there on my fingertips so long as I have an internet connection. And so I'm out in of the office a lot. I'm out visiting clients. I'm on the road. And anytime I want to access our files, regardless of what that file is, I just go right to our, our cloud-based server and pull the files. And I'm able to edit documents and access them right then and there.
0: So what are the key tools and pieces of equipment that you have in your office that you would say are the essential components of your digital office?
1: Sure. We have
0: computers. Let me stop you on the computers real quick because there's actually this is a debate that I've been having recently uh, about everyone thinks of a computer and it's just you get your image of what a computer is. But there's kind of a battle between having a local computers for every attorney or simply setting up a workstation that is, you know, basically it's a monitor, a very, very small hard drive enough to run what you absolutely need to, but then that everything else is primarily run through a more centralized uh, hub. What's your view on that?
1: So. For us, we have computers that there's very little files left on our computers. Most of our files are on the cloud. It allows our people to be incredibly portable and take their computer wherever they need to. So our computers have Adobe software, Microsoft Word, Excel, all of your Office suite, things like that. They've also got our cloud-based server software on them. And so that's what we have. Each computer has its own software, but the files are pulled from a remote server.
0: Beyond computers, what other tools and equipment do you consider essential to your digital office?
1: Uh, We have a $100 backup hard drive system and, um, again, our $200 printers in our office, and that is it. The printers have a scanner feature. They're able to scan information in. There are some software tools on the computer that create PDFs because that is how most most documents are saved on on our servers as a PDF or a Word document. But as far as capital costs that you need to be digital, we're talking a couple hundred dollars, and, and that's it.
0: Okay. And what essential pieces of software do you consider to be central to your practice?
1: Yeah, sure. So you've got your standard software that everyone has, whether whether they're a digital practice or not. You've got Microsoft Office, um, Adobe. The biggest software is our external server software. We install that on each computer, and then it operates in the background, actually. So that software is installed on our computer. You can go and click on the computer tab in any Windows PC. I'm sorry for all of you Mac users. We're not that high tech. Um, And you click on the computer, and right beside where your C drive or your DVD drive or whatever drive normally would be, there is our external server drive. You click on it, and then it has a list of all of our client files and other information. So, I can order a new computer, get it in today, and within an hour have all of the software installed on it that we need to be a digital office. And
0: that's with or without bringing in your two hundred fifty dollars an hour IT
1: person. I, I, I am the IT guy. <laughs> we, we do not have. We have never hired an IT guy, so it, it's 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 not complicated.
0: What type of cloud systems do you use?
1: So, we use a system that is called Jungle Disk. And Jungle Disk is, it pulls off of the Amazon servers. So, I think they're called Amazon S3 servers. You can interface directly with them if you would prefer. Jungle Disk basically is a user interface to allow us to access those servers. I, I suspect there may be some more advanced options out there from Jungle Disk. We've been using Jungle Disk actually at my prior firm, dating back all the way to 2009. So there's a familiarity with it, and we use it. They charge us something like $10 per user plus some data usage fee based on how much we've got in storage. Um, and and that's the software we've got. It, it's reliable as long as you have an Internet connection, and it's also affordable.
0: Do you use any uh, CRM, client relation, or firm-wide contact management systems?
1: We, we do not, no.
0: Is that something that you you think is uh, something worth exploring?
1: I certainly know other firms that that are exploring that. I, I could see us embracing that at some point, but right now we don't see that as a necessarily a cost saver for us. We're also busy, as you know, and training your people up on these systems is sure, is, yeah. is a time is a, is a time commitment.
0: I'll ask you about this type of software because I just spent the better part of all last night writing my review of 10 project management apps. Have you uh, explored any project management tools or anything like that?
1: So we have docketing software um, Mm -hmm. that is specific for patent law. It's how we manage our calendar and when things are due and things like that. It's not project management software per se, like like you're thinking of.
0: Just to recap, your essential tools uh, for the digital office, obviously your computer, obviously some form of cloud-based document management system, for storage at least. Right. And the incredibly expensive enterprise-level $200 Dell printer scanner
1: yes. combination
0: yes. system that you've yes. got. Do you, Now, do you have any mobile devices that you rely on? So uh,
1: everyone has a smartphone in, in this firm. We are using mobile devices for client communication, obviously email, phone, and phone calls. More importantly, we are using them for time tracking. Now, we don't use any specific time tracking applications, but we do use a a spreadsheet software that tracks our day broken down into half hours and, and whatnot. So that is somewhat attorney by attorney dependent. Some attorneys embrace mobile devices and some seem to fight them. But certainly me, I keep track of my time with my mobile device because it's always with me and when i'm out visiting clients or on the road or take a call or whatnot i'm able to track that time regardless of whether my computer is with me and regardless of whether my computer is connected to the internet
0: now as far as your computer goes are you uh are you a laptop or a tablet person
1: oh definitely a laptop guy yeah definitely um laptop guy i'm glad you didn't say are you a laptop or a pc guy because there are people that amazingly still have those big boxy things that um, we all had in the 90s. But, no, we're, we are laptop guys through and through. That is, um, everyone in the firm uses a laptop and they're able to take it home with them. We're Everyone in this office is a multiple screen user. Everyone. And so, especially if you want to be digital, you still need to take notes occasionally. Um in the old days, when we needed to review a document, we'd print the document out, put it on our desk, take out the highlighter, do whatever to it. Um, now we connect to a monitor to leave that document pulled up, um, analyze the document whatever way we need to, and then close it out. We don't print anything. We don't have to run down the hall. There's also not a trail of notes, which if you're a litigation-focused practice, may or may not be valuable depending on 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 your views on that. But. I think my concern with, with tablets and iPads and whatnot is, is the ability to connect them to external monitors. Now, I know that technology is coming. In fact, I've seen some advertisements on it, but I'd like my computer, my laptop, because I'm able to connect it to a, a second monitor and have multiple screens going all at once.
0: This is one question I did forget to ask you. What's your take on multiple monitors?
1: Uh, the more, the better. That's my take on it. So I, I, I actually cannot function without multiple monitors at this point. Now, once you, once you get used to it, it is really difficult mm-hmm. to, to, to. I think practice law without it. So in our practice, we have drawings on one monitor, patent application working on another, and it's so convenient to be able to scroll through those and, and have those on separate screens.
0: All right, we're talking to Justin Nifong about the paperless or the less paper law office. You're listening to the Legal Technology Review Podcast, and we'll be right back. You're listening to Legal Technology Review on The Cyber Advocate. Don't forget to follow all of the latest on tools and technology for legal service professionals at www.thecyberadvocate.com Alright, back with Justin Nifong. Now, Justin, i, I I've known you for uh, long enough now to know that you're, you're a numbers guy and you're an analytics guy, but tell the audience just a little bit about yourself and how you got to where you are now so, so we can uh, add some credibility to the analytics information I'm about to ask you about.
1: <laughs> sure. So um, I am trained as an engineer. I've got um, bachelor's degrees in engineering and physics, went on to uh, law school, and the goal was always practice patent law. I've also been an entrepreneur and owned some of my own businesses throughout law school and before. I entered the profession, spent some time at some other firms, realized that uh, working for other people probably not the best fit for me, and so...
0: The entrepreneurial bug can bite and bite hard, yes, can it?
1: Yes, it bites hard, and so I left uh, my salary job two years ago, um, took a couple of attorneys with me, and, um, and, and started this office up, uh, like I said, in, in, in 2013.
0: Now, you've got both a mind and a skill set that not a a lot of attorneys have, which means that not everything that you do is something that's going to be easily replicated. But one of the things that I really liked when I talked to you about this before was that those tools allowed you to quantify to a certain degree the benefits that you've been able to receive. Now, I know that just from my own experience, there's a lot of... Nice benefits to going digital and, and automating things. You have you know, fewer of the little mistakes that you see you know, and using templates where you have to highlight someone else's name and change it, you know, saving you a lot of uh, grief and a lot of heartache that way. But it's not necessarily second nature for lawyers to quantify and measure the benefits. But you are, you're, you're an analyst guy. You're a, you, you test. You're a scientific method approach guy. What benefits have you been able to find from going digital?
1: Yeah so I can tell you we have quantified that and I you know there's there's a little bit of variance in where the numbers are. I'll talk about the financial aspect and our cost savings but also talk about the increased productivity. On the on the cost savings, look, every file cost us literally like $4 for the file folder. That's how much legal folders are. You have to hire someone to print out documents, shove them in the folders, print out documents two days later, find that folder, shove them in the folder, and then you look at things like postage and correspondence where we're very much email-based as opposed to to letter. Our cost savings is significant just on the reduced postage, reduced paper expense. Look, a lot of law firms still have a printer guy, you know, that guy that comes around and works on the printers, right? And you have a lease with this printer. You don't even own the printer. And
0: well, I think that the, the, the frequency with which they break is is probably the best advertisement for why you don't want to own them.
1: Yes. But it also yes. is a
0: pretty solid advertisement of why maybe you should think of changing.
1: Yes, uh, our postage expense is so low that a lot of firms, you know, they have a postage meter It's connected to their billing software. They lease it. It costs them literally like three thousand dollars a year. And we've cut all of those costs out entirely. Our cost savings as a function of revenue, just related to postage, paper, things like that, is probably somewhere around half a percent of revenue. It's a big number. You say half a percent, that's not, that's not that much. Well, in the legal profession, your margins might be... Fifteen percent, half percent increase in revenue is uh, is is a f- essentially three and a half percent increase in your profit margins. So, from a cost saving standpoint, we've seen we just don't we don't spend money on paper, we don't spend money on toner, we don't spend money on postage. Well, I
0: mean, I, but you you mentioned the half a percent. Let's just throw a number out there. Let's just throw a hundred thousand dollars in revenue, which I sure hope as a law firm that's. A lot less than your, you know, than you're actually bringing in. But in annual revenue, just on that hundred thousand, you're saving five hundred bucks.
1: That that's right. If if we were a hundred thousand dollar revenue, that's correct. We we're, we're quite a bit more than that as are most firms, and so.
0: And that's just on paper and postage and folders.
1: That's paper, postage, and folders. That does not include the uh, labor-associated cost and the increased productivity. Labor cost is, look, I've been in law firms where they had a person that's job was to print stuff out every morning, put it in a folder, and it never fails. That person could not find a folder because some attorney grabbed it. They had like these complex check-in, check-out systems like we're at the library, (laughs) and but the folder wasn't where it was supposed to be. It was in somebody's car. They left it at home. It was in someone's desk. And that person would literally walk around two or three hours a day bugging every attorney in the office looking for that folder. We can't lose folders. They're all in the, in the same exact place. And so our labor savings for, for our firm, which is a, around seven or eight attorney firm, the labor savings from an administrative standpoint is probably around $20,000 is is my guess. So that comes out to be Another roughly percent of revenue for us. So and
0: just just so we're clear, how many attorneys?
1: We've got seven or eight attorneys. Yes.
0: So this and this is scalable. So you're talking about if your law firm has 15 attorneys, it's entirely possible that you're you're talking about double that, maybe even more, because you know you don't necessarily need to increase your overhead just because you increase the number of attorneys if you're using digital systems.
1: I think so. I would argue that your savings will, will go exponential. For one, there's more files to lose, and there's more attorneys to lose files. So when I talked about that situation where you've got that person looking for that file, the more files you have, the easier it is to lose them, right? And so I think that cost goes up quite a bit. Another thing that's not that we've not touched on, but we're also a multi-location practice. And so... I don't have a clue how a firm with two offices that still pay for it operates. I don't understand because if, if you need to access the files and they're in Charlotte and you're in Raleigh, I'm not sure how you get those. Maybe they FedEx them over and you wait <laughs> two days for them and you pay $35 to FedEx the file or whatnot. Or that you
0: know, you use that wonderful fax machine that is still yes, sitting in the yes, corner collecting yes, dust.
1: Yes, which, also, by the way, we don't own a fax machine, but we do <laughs> have a fax line. Oh, um, well, yeah.
0: You can, there's plenty of software that handles all of that
1: um, it, it's amazing that I can get faxes in my email and if I lose the fax I just go find it in my email it's always there <laughs> um, and, and it costs me $5 a month or something like that but uh, we are a multi-location law firm and I'm not sure how you can be multi-location and, and not be digital
0: you talked about productivity gains too. Have you been able to quantify the gain you've you've been able to generate from, from the productivity?
1: Yeah, that's a that's a little bit harder. If I had to guess, I would say it's actually on the on the range of somewhere around two to three percent of revenue. Additional two to three percent. And and the reason for that is one, my people are incredibly portable. And I say my people my associates that I work with—they're portable. They can access files and they can they can address things without having to come back into the office. There's a there's a administrative cost and a personnel cost every time you have to pull people in to take care of things. The longer you wait for things to be addressed, the ability to find the file immediately from my computer and not go look in the file room for it is is a real game changer for us. It's very very valuable and and so. There's an increase in productivity. There's also just an increase in, in employee happiness um, because it, it's easier in a digital practice.
0: Can you ballpark what monthly going paperless has saved your firm?
1: Oh yeah. If you focus on just postage, paper expenses, we're saving at least a thousand dollars a month just on postage and paper. Okay, postage, paper files. Your your hardcore. Your hard tangible assets. Mm-hmm. If you if you add in the increased productivity, reduction in work staff that w- that we don't have, we're probably saving four or five thousand dollars a month, yeah, or gaining four or five thousand dollars a month. However you want to look at it, hey, money in, money out. It, I don't care. Our bottom line is four or five thousand dollars a month better because we are a digital office.
0: And that's that's money that's essentially free and clear. That's that's above and beyond what you know you're having to worry about. That's that's a very 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 nice. New theater room for your for your law firm every month.
1: <laughs> uh, you, you know, Brian, we're we're um, we're we're low key here and and, <laughs> and and low overhead. We we have no theater room. So, uh, that that's not an issue. I, I, that that money um, probably goes in the pockets of the attorneys. Would be my guess.
0: I think that's what most of my listeners would prefer. But <laughs> we're talking to Justin Nifong about the incredible savings and benefit that he's been able to get out of going digital. You're listening to the Legal Technology Review, and we'll be right back. Don't forget, you can subscribe to the Legal Technology Review on any of your favorite podcast apps or over at iTunes. Just search for Legal Technology Review or The Cyber Advocate. Also, don't forget, you can get all the information on the latest tools and technology for legal service professionals at www.TheCyberAdvocate.com. All right, we are we're back with Justin Nifong talking about going digital in the law office. Now, Justin, I think that one of the biggest things that prevents anyone from doing anything is not knowing where to start. As a writer, I can say that one of the most the, the most annoying time in writing a post or writing anything is when there's nothing yet on the page. How did you decide to implement some of these uh, some of these procedures? I know it comes easier for you, but what was your mindset in approaching going digital, and what steps did you take?
1: Yeah, it's a good question. Our mindset was: look, we're we're a brand new firm. We think we have clients, but we really don't know. We think the clients we have will pay us, but we're not sure when. And we need to watch our overhead. I mean, that was that the reason we are digital is entirely economic based. It's entirely economic based. And so, when we were opening up, you can we can extend this conversation outside of digital files too. You had all these options for telecom, file storage, um, internet access, et cetera, et cetera. And you're looking at all the options uh, that are available today, and we went with with the with the digital files because it saves us money. And so we're looking at starting a firm, and I could tell you to the dollar how much our expected overhead was going to be in the on a month-by-month basis for the first six months. And for us... It was, it was clear that going digital was the way to go.
0: Now, did you uh, have any active uh, files that you brought over with you when you started? Uh,
1: yeah, yeah, we brought over uh, plenty. Yes, there were plenty of active files that we brought over.
0: Some of the best advice that I think I've seen about how, you know, you can convert paperless. I think people get overwhelmed with the idea of, oh, I've got to hire this company to scan absolutely everything. Best advice that I've seen is come up with processes and procedures and you start them with a new case if you have only got a couple files to convert that's one thing but you're not going to change your entire law office with cases and files that are at various levels of completion you're going to start your new process with the new ones and as you can as you have time you 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 bring those older files that are maybe paper-based up to digital is that was that how you guys uh, handled your transition
1: absolutely absolutely and uh so there was no, like, let's disassemble this file and run the papers through a scanner and um, digitize everything. I know firms have tried that. They got, like, halfway through, and the fatigue got the better of them, and they yeah. just, a lot of times, just gave up. Um, there's no need to do that. For one, the files are not likely active, and so you're not going to be able to, you don't need to be able to go and access those files with the frequency that you would an active file. So I'm okay with those files staying staying paper files for a period of time. There was a good number of files that, look, you you know this, you work with federal litigation, you want to recreate a litigation file, just go into Pacer and download (sighs) the whole thing, right? Sure, it costs you $15, but it's, it's, trust me, a lot better than pulling the file and, and scanning everything in. So there was some level of that where we were able to go to the patent office portals, for example, and pull the files that we needed to and create what we needed on our server.
0: Yeah, I'm not entirely comfortable with knowing exactly how many times when a document was a little too difficult to find that I actually ended up going and essentially buying it back off of Pacer. It's yeah. kind of disturbing to, yes. to think just because yes. the paper file was, was unavailable. So
1: that's, that brings up a point, though, of how much easier it is to find the information you want in a digital system. For one, we name our files with our docket number. They're supposed to be organized but we name them with our docket number. I can go into a certain docket number and if I'm looking for a file that I know is called office action, which is a term we use in the patent office, I can type that into the uh, explorer search function and it will pull it up or what we do is each file is saved with its own file name. And so I can quickly scan all the available files and open the one that's most important based off of the name. Whereas with a paper file, you're flipping through and you're hoping it's in, like, reverse chronological order, but you really <laughs> don't know. And, you know, they have those trifolds where some stuff's on the left and some's on the right and some's on the middle. No,
0: oh, I still think the spindle, the spindle pleading in correspondence board is the bane of my existence. Yes. And yes. It, it probably was the the... Single biggest factor in pushing me towards taking my stuff and just starting, even when my even though my firm doesn't have a unified entirely digital system, I just scan them all because I can't I can't handle going through those things. They're, they're terrible. So now, of all your your initiatives that you've done, what are initiatives have surprised you that kind of success beyond what you were even hoping for? Because I know you're you're a goals guy. You set you set up targets and you want to meet them. So which which ones have worked out beyond anything you planned on?
1: Yeah, so from a, from a digital side, because I, I, I know you're the cyber advocate, um, <laughs> there's two things. One is the phone system, and I know we're going outside of, of our digital files now. But oh, that's fine. Look, we're, we're over IP. We use a, a system called a UMA Office. A lot of people are familiar with UMA Residential. The phones can set up with virtual receptionists. They forward on to the attorney's cell phone if you'd like for them to. And so, I'm able to attract talent that wants to work in an office where I can tell them, "Look, you, hey, you can. If you want to work from home today, you can." And but your cell phone's going to ring if a client calls because I'm not going to have a decrease in, in, in the customer service. Our UMA system cost us hundred bucks a month, something like that. It runs off of our voice over IP system off of our internet. And I can add people when we have additional, additional attorneys. I just add another extension. You have your own dedicated extension. But everybody calls one central line. I've seen firms that are trying to get on board with more advanced technology. I've seen them dedicate individual phone numbers for each attorney. That's okay. And they're trying to bypass the traditional receptionist. That's okay, except it has unintended SEO consequences um, because your SEO and everybody talks about Google because Google's Google's a big player on that. Google tracks things like is your phone number consistent, is your address consistent, and whatnot. So. We have one phone number. Everybody can call it. You you select which extension you want to to find the attorney you want. And so I think our phone system has been great in getting talent that people want a better work-life balance. And so they've been able to use our phone system for that.
0: So your phone system becomes a recruiting tool. That's, uh, it's, that's it nice. It is,
1: is, is nice. Well, hey, look, Brian, we're, <laughs> you know how most firms have um, casual Friday? We are virtual Friday. Um, if you show up on Friday, there's no one here. So all of our people work virtually on Friday. But the key is clients can call and they will get someone that actually answers the phone.
0: Being able to work remotely is I think that's probably the biggest barrier attorneys run into in working remotely is if you don't have all the tools available to you that you do at your office, you're never gonna be able to work effectively remotely. And I think it I think that puts the end to a lot of virtual, you know, virtual Fridays as you're saying in, in a lot that's of different right. firms. That's
1: right. That's right. The the other initiative I would bring up is actually driving traffic to our firm based off of our website.
0: You did speak to me a a while back about how, I would say, how pleased you were with your digital marketing people you were working with to the point that you actually had to tell them, no, we can't handle any more business.
1: (laughs) Yes, I I think I told them if they delivered on what they were promising, I I would never work with them again. (laughs) 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 So website marketing um, should not be a shrine to the attorney. Clients want to go get valuable information about whatever subject they're looking for. That's probably why they went into a search engine and Googled whatever subject it is anyways. We don't go in and Google Brian Fote attorney. They go in and they Google construction litigator Charlotte North Carolina and so be able to pull people to the website, give them some free information. It makes you look knowledgeable and it also I think creates a situation where they they almost feel like they owe you something. You gave them something and now they feel like they owe it to you and they come back. Our web page probably generates, it probably generates six figures a year of new revenue, which is recurring for us because our clients are long-term engagement. Also importantly, it generates clients that we can refer out to other Mm -hmm. sources, which increases our our inboard, our incoming referrals from those.
0: Generate a lot of goodwill that way. Yeah, that's right. Now, Okay, so those are two that have worked out very well for you beyond what you have what you even planned for. Any uh, initiatives, any bumps in the road, any initiatives that didn't quite work out or that had a lot more, even if they worked, the path to get there was not a smooth journey?
1: Yeah, I actually don't think so. I would say the one issue you have with being digital is if the power goes out, you've got it's bad news for you um, unless you have a backup generator or if you have internet connectivity issues it's bad news for you. The truth of it is if your internet goes out or your power goes out nobody's working anyways and so when you rely on technology we don't have the old school paper backups and things like that. I have had to train people that there are certain documents that we do have to retain originals of and You've got to figure out what those documents are and put them in place. So we may have, you know, shredded a document we should not have at some point. We've still got the digitized copy, but we don't have the original. It does take a little bit of training with your people to get them up to speed, and that is by far the biggest bump in the road is just explaining to your people this is not complicated. It's different than what you've done, but if you can push the power button on this computer, you can use this software. And so once you once you introduce that mindset to them, and they get up to speed on it, it's actually quite. It's usually smooth sailing.
0: Is there anything that you, I have I guess, in mind for the future? Any any initiatives that you are looking towards? Any problems that you are hoping to to solve or address with with new systems in the near future?
1: Uh, yeah, we're going to have uh, fiber internet run into our place next week.
0: So I got like... my Google Fiber coming to Charlotte T-shirt. <laughs> Uh, in the mail a little while ago. I'm very, very happy. So Monday,
1: um, AT&T is running their fiber into our office and uh, we're like kids in a candy store. Oh, yeah. So I I hope that means my associates are not going to be streaming videos all day and they'll actually be working. But um, I know. So it's hard to forecast where we might see additional improvements. Uh, We are internet-based fax, internet-based phone, internet-based file systems. I think there are opportunities to capture our billable time better and there are software programs that I think will help in that regard. Again, it's the issue of training your people up to use those and also integrating those programs in with our billing software. So Um, By far, our biggest administrative cost now as a firm is actually invoicing. It's getting data entered, capturing all of our out-of-pocket expenses because we incur a bunch on behalf of our clients, and then getting those invoices out in a timely manner. Most clients have accounts payable systems that if your invoice is not there a certain date, it goes to the next accounts payable cycle. And so timeliness of invoices is very, very important. We're spending more time than I would like in that regard, and we've got to find ways to incorporate new technology from a billing standpoint so that we spend less time as practitioners worrying about capturing our bills and, and getting bills correct.
0: But at least in the meantime, you can sleep well knowing that you are you you do have documented savings of a pretty significant amount just from the conversions you've made thus far. It's nice.
1: It, it is, Brian. And I. You know, let, let me give you an example. Every firm I've ever been at, patent firm, there's been a one-to-one attorney to paralegal or staff ratio. Every firm, seven at, attorneys at least, yeah, yeah, seven, seven assistants, right? Seven and seven, seven and seven, or yeah. ten and ten, or whatever. We're seven and two. Yep. Okay. We're seven and two, and I, you know, there's 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 five headcounts there that we don't have that most firms do. And it, and it relates to things like being digital and adopting best practices. So.
0: All right. Well, the, the information is incredible. I think it's a, a nice motivating factor. I think if we were to walk up to most partners at any size firm and say, you can convert digital and I can save you $5,000 a month for starters, I think a lot of them would have a hard time turning that down. That's incredibly valuable information. Justin, I want to thank you for uh, for joining us today and sharing your experience going digital. Thank you, Brian. You've been listening to the Legal Technology Review Podcast. I'm Brian Folk, and we will see you next week.